Well, good morning and welcome. I'm Shay Ryanga. I'm blessed to be one of the pastors here. And I missed you guys last week. I was sitting in the office on Friday. I get this text from Pastor David. He's not feeling so well. I'm, I'm like really at this point optimistic and feeling good. Like, I got you, I got you, David. Don't you worry. And then Saturday came. Saturday night happened and Saturday day, and I'll spare you the details. But needless to say, if you guys weren't here last week, I wasn't here last week either. So I'm, I'm thankful to be back and thankful Pastor Don and Pastor Tina could, could help fill in for us. And I uh, just want to lift up what you just saw there, 102468, 102468, 102468. So both days, you can't go wrong, 102468. Those are those times, both the 23rd and the 24th. And then we're adding a 10 o'clock and an 11.30 service on the 24th. So just want you to be mindful of all 12 of those services and they don't represent the 12 days of Christmas or anything like that. It's just, there's, we're doing 12 this year. So, um, so I've got this bag. Um, first, let me invite you to respond, little per congregation participation here. What do you call the thing on the passenger side of your car that's in front of you? Airbags, by the airbags, around the airbags, yes, what? Glove box, we say glove box here. So, so raise your hand if it's glove box, okay? Raise your hand if it's glove compartment. This is surprising. So I, I call it glove compartment. I thought it might have been a Midwest thing because everyone in the office said glove box. So I, the tables have turned. Everybody, the majority says glove compartment, not glove box. Um, do any of you actually have gloves in there? <laughs> not adequately named. Not an adequately named thing at all. I don't have gloves. I don't think I've ever had gloves in the glove compartment. Um, let's look at What's, what's in one of our glove compartments, shall we? So we've got a, a little toy dinosaur. <laughs> so so a uh, little baby Max, some napkins, of course. I, I imagine some of you might have napkins in there. Um, just some general trash, general things related to car service. Who knows? We could probably have a contest as to how old a receipt that, that may be in that, in that compartment. Um, that's good. This is from Lindsay Kay's. So we've got the manual. That's good. You should have your manual in there. You should if you don't. Um, I didn't know what this is. She had to explain this to me. This is, this is for your sunglasses so they float if you're ever in water. Um, anyway, there's, there's some other stuff in there, but you get the idea. Um, it's a very small... And some of them are very oddly shaped, so you can only fit certain things in them. Um, so needless to say, they don't really, the, the glove compartment does, doesn't serve the purpose it was created for. It's not appropriately or adequately named. And it's often very, very small and oddly shaped. And I, I promise that has some relevance to what we'll, what we'll be dealing with um, as we explore joy to the world. For those of you that don't know, we're continuing our sermon series called Joy to the World, which is based in Psalm 98. And I wanna read Psalm 98 for us, these few verses of Psalm 98, because this was the direct inspiration for the song Joy to the World. Sing to the Lord a new song. 
For he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked out salvation for him. The Lord has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness to the nations. He has remembered his love and his faithfulness to Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Shout for joy to the Lord. All the earth burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the song of singing, with trumpets and the blast of ram's horn. Shout for joy before the Lord, the King. Let the sea resound and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing together for joy. Let them sing before the Lord for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples with equity. So this, this is the passage that inspired joy to the world. And Pastor Tina may have mentioned last week that joy to the world turns 300 years old this year. We didn't know that when we were planning this sermon series. Um, so in the process, uh, 1719 was when this song was first published. And in the book, Isaac Watts is, Isaac Watts is the author. It's, it's a book with his own take on different psalms. It's his own creative take. And so Joy to the World is his own attempt to put into his, his own vernacular, his own language, what, what he wants to express and the way Psalm 98 inspires him. He writes Joy to the World. And, and we sing this song and it's one of those songs that we sing over and over and over again. And because of all that Christmas is for us, we sing Joy to the World and then we sing Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer. And then we sing All I Want for Christmas is You. And then the little drummer boy. And, and because we sing all these songs, and again, no judgment of all that Christmas is and what we appreciate about all of Christmas. I mean, Lindsay Kay will tell you she is a strong, advocate for, for, I mean, Thanksgiving didn't have to be here and we're listening to Christmas music. She's, she's in that camp. Um, so nothing against all the songs that we sing, but, but we, because of the repetition, we can kind of forget the power and the truth proclaimed in a song like Joy to the World because we just sing it over and over again with all these other songs. And, and there's just some things in our life like repetition, some things are worth repeating. That repetition doesn't ruin the significance of a song like Joy to the World. It, it enhances the significance of a song like Joy to the World. And you might think of those things in your life that you just, they never gets old. And, and I know, I'm, I'll, I'll give like 30 seconds to this because you put some of you are tired of hearing it. But like, like Max is saying new words like almost every day now. And he'll even talk to me when I'm not in the room. And Lindsay called me sometime this week or last week and just said after I had left, he, he he said, bye-bye, Dada, and blew me a kiss. Like, okay, that doesn't get old. Like, like, like repeat, repeat, repeat. And, and in that repetition, the meaning in that and the love in that and the beauty of that is enhanced. It isn't lost. It isn't, I, 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 I don't confuse 
the gift of what that is. But sometimes repetition or having consistent access to something can produce a false reality for us. We can take certain things for granted if we always have it at our disposal. If you, like me, have grown up with immediate and consistent access to water, it becomes, we can kind of take water for granted and forget the kind of life essential gift that it is. And we can even start abusing it and use it in excess. And and because it's and we even can fall into the trap of thinking that it's ours because it's it comes out of our tap and that we own it and it's just this this precious resource and we can think that other people have access to it like we do and so quickly we can we can forget the needs of others and we we, we can we can be insensitive to that if if we have certain things and repeat them over and over and over again sometimes repeating certain things over and over again at church it can quickly become a dead religion if we forget what inspired the song what inspired god's word what's what's the meaning in it what is what is the power in it what is this all about and we can start living into Advent in ways that I don't know Advent was ever intended to be lived into. Each week we're looking at joy to the world afresh so we understand the content of what we're singing and what it means. Isaac Watts um, had some contemporary critics. He had some people call him out and question, why are you writing a new song? Isn't God's word good enough? Aren't the words of Psalm 98 like good enough to put music to? Why create a new song? But Isaac Watts knew, and and if we pay attention to scripture, scripture answers this for us. Sing to the Lord a new song. We're told in, in verse one of Psalm 98, sing to the Lord a new song that we can't help but do new work and come up with new ideas and sing new songs and melodies when the interior of our life is attentive to what Advent is really all about, the miracle of this season. We can't help but do new things and new work. In fact, it's, it's part of what this season is all about. I love how Bishop T.D. Jakes, Pastor T.D. Jakes, has given this illustration before. He says, you know, God, God doesn't make tables and chairs. God doesn't make furniture. God makes trees. God makes trees and he gives us and calls us and equips us with a creative capacity to make furniture and to get some work done. You know, God, and we're invited, God gives us a child and he invites us to imagine all that that child can be as we raise our child and love our child and equip our child to be a man or a woman after God's own heart. God, God gives us these words and these melodies and he invites us to write books and songs and make new music. He gives us the raw material and then and endows us with power and a creative capacity to do amazing things, things that are beyond what we can naturally do for his kingdom and his glory. So we can sing new songs because his love never runs out for us. We can do new work and have new ideas for his kingdom and glory because his mercy is new for us each and every day. God is making us into his new creation. And this is why Isaac Watts writes new songs. It's, it's why we're called always and given and endowed with a creative past capacity to do new things 
for God. Advent is about waiting for Christ to come. But, but have you been waiting for God to give you furniture? Have you been waiting for God to fix a problem, mend a broken relationship? When he's endowed you with the power and given you the means to do that work, that he came, he came not for you to sit around and wait for him to take care of all that, but he came, he came to equip you and gift you to mend broken fences, to repair broken relationships, to fix some of the problems in your life. And he makes his spirit available for you to do that. Have we made room? Have we made enough room or is what Advent's all about, Christ coming, is that just a, a small compartment in our life in this season? And have we given Christmas, the domain of Christmas to all the other things that are fun, that we love to do and the singing and the family gatherings and the shopping and all of that, has, has that taken all the space of Advent? Have we left enough room in our life for Christ? So joy to the world helps us proclaim and keep, keep at the center what Advent is all about as we, we read some of these lyrics. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. This is a cosmic event that's happening for the whole world. That's what's, that's what's happening at Advent. The creator of the universe who made all things visible and invisible, comes down, comes down into our time and into our space. Or to say it like the Nicene Creed says it, I like how the Nicene Creed puts it, the only begotten son of God, begotten of the father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the father by whom all things were made who for us and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man. The very same God who made the universe out of nothing comes and becomes human for us. And he doesn't, and the early church had to work this out because they understand the divinity of Jesus. And it was like, is he really human or is he just kind of appear to be human for just a little while? And, and know that we, we understand that he becomes not like a human for us, but he actually puts on flesh and bone and becomes a human for us and our salvation. And because he comes and assumes our lot, assumes our position, he who was uncreated becomes part of the created world that he made because he assumes that part of reality and assumes our lot, we can be healed. In the words of one of the pivotal early church fathers, his name is St. Gregory of Nazianzus. He says this, what has not been assumed has not been healed. Or to put it in another way, in the words of St. Irenaeus, again, early, early, early church father, first 200 years of the church, he who was the son of God became the son of man that man might become the son of God. The only begotten before all worlds comes for you and for me 
comes down so that you and I can be sons and daughters of God. This, isn't, this doesn't work from the ground up. We're, we're hopeless by ourselves and this, this isn't the starting point, but God descends and God comes down so then that we, we can ascend, so that we can share the life that God shares with himself. This is where we're heading in Advent. This, this is what it's all about. This is why Isaac Watts writes this song, Joy to the World, and why we have every reason to sing new songs and to live life joyfully. And the timing couldn't be more profound. Not only is this the reality that's at the center of Advent of what it's all about, but, but it comes at a time where very few people had any room left in their life for hope. Because from the beginning, God promised Abraham and his descendants that you were going to be a great nation. And your descendants will be like the sands of the sea. Try and count the stars. Try and count it. Kings are gonna come from you. All these peoples are gonna be blessed through your line. And yet, as is so often the case, God's people don't make room in their life for his leadership. And they find themselves in slavery. And they find themselves in one exile after another exile. And looking at present circumstance and situations, it looks like all the nations around us are being blessed and not us. And not us. And hope was rare. There's very little room in Israel left for hope, even though the prophets faithfully keep telling them God's promise, God's word, it's an everlasting covenant. Like the Messiah and the Savior is coming and as, as faithful as the prophets were, it just doesn't seem like as we read the Old Testament, Israel's left very little room, God's people has left very little room in their life for hope because of present circumstance, present situation, doesn't look like it. Even now, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. Now, a greater empire is in charge, an even bigger force that's an enemy to God's people, greater and more expansive of an empire than, than the world has ever seen at this, at this juncture in history. Would there be any hope remaining? <laughs> and when it seemed like there was no hope, when the present circumstances and the present history and the present situation seemed like it would be impossible for God to fulfill his promise now. There's <laughs> no way, not now. At that particular point in our story and in our history, that's when God comes decisively in Jesus. When hope seemed lost. And there was one man at least. There are a few people, obviously, that had held out hope, that had enough room in their life to anticipate the breaking in of the fulfillment of God's promise. And here is a man who, who had left room, not just a small compartment, but the, the whole, his whole life and the, the whole floor of the house for the Holy Spirit. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. 
moved by the spirit, he went into the temple courts when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was custom, what, what the custom of the law required. Simeon took him in his arms and praised God saying, sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. Mary and Joseph come to the manger because they, they, they're tired. They gotta let down and let go and receive some rest. They gotta put their baby down, but there's no room. There's no room. And so he ends up being laid in a manger and we collect stuff. We accumulate a lot of things in our life, material things and in our schedules, we just add and we add to our schedules and to our lives without making room and we run around and our lives become chaotic, trying to meet every obligation, trying to meet every meeting. Have we prepared enough room? And what's amazing here is Simeon is expectant. We see a man who had been waiting, who understood who understood the promise and that the promise would be fulfilled. And here is a life spent awake, knowing that God, God's promise would come, knowing that he would be fulfilled. And so his whole heart was awake and attentive and ready for that promise to be fulfilled. And here's what, this is what's amazing about what God does with his promise and the miracle of Advent is it shatters our expectations. It's a new perspective that, that God's people have to understand because it's just unlike anything they could have asked for or could have imagined for God to come, literally come in the flesh. And the way God answers Simeon here and fulfills the promise, it's, it's beyond anything I think Simeon could have ever hoped for as he gets to hold the one who made him. <laughs> That's how God answers his promise to Simeon who waited faithfully. Simeon gets to hold the child begotten before all worlds, creator of heaven and earth, all things that are seen and unseen. Here, this man who had cleared not just a small space in his life, but, but who had given the Holy Spirit the whole floor, <laughs> keys to the whole house, every room, right? He, he gets to hold, he gets to hold the one who made him. And he starts singing his own version of joy to the world, Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. Have we prepared room? Think about the room God prepares for you and I with all the mess that we carry, <laughs> with all the sin and the baggage and our failures and our anxiety and our insecurities. Like think about all the room God makes for us and he invites us to sit right next to him at his table. Think about how much room he's made for you and I and heaven and nature sing 
joy to the world, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ while fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sounding joy. There's already a song being sung. And it's a song that started before time began. It's been repeating and repeating because the repetition doesn't ruin the significance. The repetition enhances the significance. There's this joy that needs to be repeated. Some things are worth saying over and over and over again because they are true and they are beautiful. And now we're invited to join the song that, is, that has been sung, that continues to be sung. And, and one isn't absorbed over the other. Heaven isn't absorbed by nature and nature isn't absorbed by heaven. They're not out singing each other. They're singing in harmony and we're invited not to sing over each other, not to step over each other, but we're invited to harmonize together and work and make this mystery known that, it, that the creator of heaven and earth is here. He comes and breaks into our time and our space for us and our salvation. Our songs are employed to make this miracle known. The songs that we sing are a call to action. Worship is a way of life when we make room when we make room and clear space for the Holy Spirit to live in us. Worship is a way of life and praise is a habit. And if you don't know where to start making room, if your life's a mess and you can't see the floor of your own life, because it's just, it's a mess. <laughs> start repeating the marvelous things God has done for you. Start repeating the marvelous things God has done for you and your family and your life. Start repeating that joy. Have a joyful attitude and a joyful outlook. Start repeating because the more times we repeat the sounding joy, the more times we repeat the joy, the less time we'll have to clutter and hurry and busy our lives away. The more we repeat the joy, the more room will be made available in us for God's glory to shine. Will you please pray with me? Holy God, we are amazed and humbled that we join the song of all that all creation is singing, that your kingdom reigns over all. The rocks, even the rocks cry out and the mountains and the flowers. All of creation can't stop singing your praise. God, help us live a life of worship where we repeat the joy that you've given each and every one of us. Your word says in Nehemiah chapter eight, verse 10, that the joy of the Lord is our strength, God. Help us repeat the joy each and every day of the marvelous things that you've done in our life. Help us make the mystery of Advent known. May that be first and foremost, the center of who we are and what we're about so that our culture isn't confused about the reason for this season. And that if all creation sings, so will we. And that our songs are a call to action to make your grace and mercy known 
in a world that so desperately needs it, that so desperately finds itself with little hope to lean on. We ask all this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.